0: so many clinics struggle with doing these things that can be automated that maybe then end in a better client experience because the gap between happiness and having a poor experience is expectation, right? So like, what does the client expect? Well, we can tell them what to expect, but then we have to live up to that expectation.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Whisker Talks. The Veterinary Growth Podcast from Whisker Cloud, Pet Desk, VetStoria, Contact. I am the host and founder of Whisker Cloud, Adam Greenbaum. And today I have Mary Schwartz, the manager of sales enablement at Pet Desk and the new co-host of this podcast. How are you?
0: I am excited, Adam. How are you doing?
1: Well, here's the funny thing. 30 seconds ago, I was telling you I was going to redo this intro and not say veterinary marketing podcast (laughs) and not say podcast from Whisker Cloud. And I even typed it out. And I had like these weird pauses that I'm like, well, we'll edit those out, but I might keep them. But yeah, this is a really exciting day. You're one of my favorite humans on earth. And I want the world who doesn't know you to get to know you today. So even though you're a new host and our companies have merged which we're going to talk about. I want you to go through what everyone goes through on this podcast. So, as you know and people that work with me know, I love the incredible Hulk. Hulk memorabilia all over my office and I ask everyone what is their veterinary superpower? Obviously, you know you had veterinary ties well before your time at Petta so kind of just introduce yourself and tell everyone how you got into the space where your superpower comes from and here we go everyone meet Mary
0: thanks adam so how i got into the space was i always knew i wanted to do something in medicine with my life but human medicine just wasn't that exciting to me <laughs> for a, a numer- numerous reasons but also humans are a little bit gross i think we can all admit a little bit gross and so i f- found out when i was like 18 19 that you could become a veterinary technician and you could become a vet nurse and i just thought that was the coolest thing immediately it was what i wanted to do and so i started out in equine medicine back when i was like nineteen, twenty and worked in equine medicine for a couple years. And then I ended up moving over to a mobile veterinary hospital for maybe another year or so. And then I landed at an emergency clinic where I managed the medical staff there for five years or so, I think, and then switched over to that clinic's sister clinic, which is a general practice for about another five years and became practice manager there and and worked with the team on everything practice managers work with the team on. My superpower is probably the ability to like zoom out and see a bigger picture. It's super helpful when you have like six surgeries in a day to zoom out and be able to see everything that needs to be done and then zoom back in and and knock out tasks one by one. So that's that was always like my favorite thing to do was be able to take that step back. And it definitely comes from being a completely crazy type a anxious person. So <laughs> we have to have all that stuff lined out.
1: Well, I know you and I love that, that you just said all that. Um, cause you and I are both <laughs> that way. So yes. I think to start this podcast, we should address the elephant in the room and it's why did I bumble my way through the first intro of our new podcast. Interestingly enough, I think we've already recorded another podcast that might come out after this, that might be really confusing to people. So we're going to set the record straight on this episode. So this has been talked about lightly, both on the internet. This has been lightly talked about by me on this podcast and just in general, lightly talked about, but Last year, early last year twenty twenty two kind of started in twenty twenty one Petdesk, vetstoria, and Whisker Cloud all merged into one.
0: I can't believe it's been since twenty twenty one
1: yeah, I mean it, it was feels I, like overnight yeah i mean and and it's funny because I think there's a lot to that, so you know me as the founder of Whisker Cloud, I go way back with the founders of Petdesk and vetstoria. We all go way back together, and we always had this dream of providing this you know i think there's a lot of people in veterinary medicine who say they provide the all-in-one solution and we we never wanted to be another all-in-one solution because all-in-one solutions are sort of like three-in-one shampoo it's it's probably doesn't work so we wanted to be the best in class all coming together and that's what we did so you know you know and and mary can talk about like from the internal side because you've been here for the whole process behind the scenes, it's been wild. And now you actually are like manage and train the sales teams at all of the companies.
0: Yeah, that is really, really cool. I'd also love to know from you, Adam, how did it feel when all of this started to come together as the founder of a company as as someone who like this is that was your baby, like Whisker Cloud, you're a total baby. How did it feel for you when all of this started to come together and you started to see that dream get realized?
1: Hey everyone! You listen to this. People are asking me questions. How interesting! It was, um, <laughs> it was, it was great because you know I was a bootstrap startup. So you know the other companies raised money and had boards and had you know VCs and private equity, and I didn't. So I took the hard road. But I always, I always love the hard road. For some reason, I wish I didn't. So I think for me, it was you know Whisker Cloud had doubled in size like every year for four straight years. And this year, as you know, is another big record setting year. And you know, it was just like, I used to sit there and think, how's this going to go? Like we can't, we can't do this every year forever. And, and I started to feel like I was, I don't want to say losing control because I I think we've done a good job as we've scaled up, but I definitely think there were moments where I'm like, Ooh, that was a, that was a tight day. I always call it like Spider-Man two days where, you know, it's a Tobey Maguire where he's like holding the train from crashing. So, you know, we had a lot of these like Spider-Man two days where, you know, I felt like, okay, that was a really hard week. That was a really hard couple of days. And I, and you know, one of the things I was never able to do was let a plate drop ever. Cause I care about our customers too much. So, you know, I think for me, it was really great because, I'm obviously still here and a huge part of this company. I'm still here and part of this brand. And and I get to work with, like I you and I wouldn't have ever worked together. You know, and and we have, across the companies, we have 370 people or something like that now. So, you know, Whisker Cloud during the acquisition maybe had 35, 40 people. Now, you know, our teams are part of 370 people. And it was so exciting. And I, you know, I, I don't want to speak for all the vet story people, but, you know, I think they felt the same way. And I think PetDesk felt the same way.
0: Oh for sure. And I started out at PetDesk. So I began my career journey out of clinical medicine with PetDesk as a customer success manager. So when we started joining companies together, definitely was super excited about that. It felt like we were kind of getting an infusion of new ideas, new people, etc. and when I transitioned to working with the sales team and being able to work with every single brand, it was super, super cool. It's still really cool. It was really exciting then because I didn't know everything about any of the brands. So I like I would know Whisker Cloud's website and Vetstoria does online booking, but I didn't necessarily get to like peel back the curtain and see what it looked like for those companies, but also to see what impact those companies make in hospitals. So one of the things that was always well, still is so cool about working with PetDesk is the impact on the hospital is such a top priority for every person here. And so naturally when you're merging companies and you're talking about joining teams or, or learning more about one another, you kind of have that little bit of like you're dating someone new. It's a little bit like you want to be really cool, but you also want to make sure they share your values. So you kind of have this whole experience on these one-on-one meetings. And What's been amazing to me is through every meeting I've had with every individual in different departments of all of the companies we work with, all of our goals are aligned. All of our everything we're all working towards is the same. So we're all super dedicated to making sure that veterinary clinics have the technology they need to make their day to day more efficient and to help their businesses succeed. And I see that across every single company. And it's really cool now, even having, like you said, 300 plus employees that is still the North star for everyone I talk to one-on-one.
1: And again, like one of the things I want to say to everyone out there, because, you know, I have this rule when we, when I do these podcasts and I have people come on, I typically say like, Hey, don't make this a whisker cloud commercial. I don't think it's in good taste to make this a whisker commercial, (laughs) but I also think, I also think, you know, If if you're still listening after, you know, however many episodes we've had and and you're still part of this journey, I think you've been part of this journey with me, Adam, you know, on Whisker Cloud's growth, my personal growth, and now through this and... You know, so I'm not trying to make today a big sales pitch if you're out there listening. I'm not asking you to, you know, go go get Pet Desk and Vetstoria and WhiskerCloud and Contact all today. You should, but I'm not asking you to do that. And I think that's important. But I mean today is just kind of like an introduction of Mary and because you've probably seen Mary and you might not know about it. Like you speak at every conference at this point. Do I have that right? Like, I feel like you've, you've been speaking at every conference recently.
0: Most of the big ones. Yeah. We've had, we've had sessions about technology at those conferences that I've been sharing. Yeah. And I mean, I
1: remember being at VMX and, and watching you on the big stage in the middle. That was awesome. And you know, I've just, I've watched you just kill it. And 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 honestly, like even hearing you so far on this podcast, you just, you're just like made for this. And, and I think it's, it, it's, it's just so great. So Talk to me about when you're on a podcast and you're hosting that podcast, what are you trying to get out of it? Because I'm also excited to answer this question. So it's a very, like, self-fulfilling question I'm asking. But, like, what do you want people to walk away from when you're, like, hosting a podcast and asking questions?
0: Yeah, I think so... First of all, thank you for the support, Adam. It's easy on this podcast to talk to you because I know you so well. So it's like a, it's a natural conversation, but I will say like when I'm hosting, I've been so lucky to get the chance to talk to people who are essentially like my heroes within the veterinary industry. So having been in the industry for 10 plus years, I've attended a lot of conferences as an attendee. I've gotten to hear a lot of these folks speak. I've followed their careers. I've watched them be open advocates for the industry and their peers. And so when I'm interviewing them or I'm talking to them, I want them to be able to share their purpose, their vision, what they're excited about with our listeners, because I think that kind of excitement is contagious, right? So you need folks who have that magic whatever it is that magic kismet to kind of lead and drive change within our industry. And so being able to help them share that with a bigger, wider audience is always kind of my goal when I'm chatting with folks. Love that.
1: And just to answer the question that I asked you, but I also was excited to answer for everyone to hear (laughs) (laughs) was there's two things I want to happen on when I, when I'm doing the whisker talks podcast and this is going to this is a weird thing to say, but I want everyone to hear it. Number 1, this is my way to speak to all of our current customers really openly. And sometimes when I tell stories, and I don't tell fake stories. These are true stories. I mean, I never include the clinic's name because I'm not here to embarrass people, but when I tell stories, you know, it's like I I want I want the listeners to walk away from this and think about, okay, so that clinic's doing this with whether it's a whisker cloud related thing, or maybe it's just something I overheard, you know, I just, I want it to be a learning experience for all of us. And then, you know, I think the second thing is it's my way to kind of talk about, how I see veterinary medicine as an outsider. So you're an insider. I'm an outsider. That's what makes this really interesting is like, we both have these perspectives and we're both now at the same company working on the same goal here. And I just think it's, I just think it's really interesting. So that's why, what I like to happen in these podcasts. And sometimes like someone will ask me or someone will make a statement and it just like makes me really ha- happy. Like I had Dr. Danny Rabb went on. And she made a statement like six minutes in and, and I followed up on it and I got, you know, a heated email about it saying, you know, how dare you say that, you know, vets aren't business people and blah, blah, blah. But it was great. <laughs> as she, but it was great. It's never
0: been spoken, though. There Ooh, are <laughs> there are veterinarians who are great at being business people, but most veterinarians are not business people.
1: All right. Well, look, this is your first whisker talks episode (laughs) and I caught some heat for saying something similar. So here we go. Welcome. But no, I mean, but I think what's funny about you saying that is I don't think that's a bad thing. In fact, I think the purpose of that comment is like, what are they doing at these vet schools that they're not prepping you for these things? They're not prepping you for the business owner. And I can tell everyone here, look, I built a pretty big company. That company was acquired and I don't think I'm like the world's greatest business person. There's a lot of mentorship. There's a lot of Googling. There's a lot of failures along the way. So, you know, when someone says that about veterinarians, it's not like this big shot. And, you know, anyone out there listening, I don't want anyone to take it personally. This is just, this is the truth about veterinary medicine that I think needs fixing.
0: Well, and I think if you think about what it takes to become a veterinarian, Adam, it's it's four years of extra schooling on top of your bachelor's degree focused on medicine. And yeah, you can get a minor in business while you're in vet school for sure. And I've known veterinarians who have done it. But the veterinarians that are really like they are animal driven and animal focused The business piece of it is like something they have to do, but not something they're in love with. And like I said, there are veterinarians who love the business piece, invest in it. Like that's a big part of who they are. But I think the majority of veterinarians that I've worked with have learned it out of necessity, which is more taxing than it is to do it because you love it. Because they love animals. They love medicine. They love, you know, that piece of it. But the business piece is more difficult to do when you don't love it.
1: I agree. And by the way, just everyone out there knows, like no bullshit. I don't love the business part of it. I'm a <laughs> coder, marketer. You know, I love social media and content. I love paid advertising. I like building brands. I had a lot of fun building Whisker Cloud, and I'm still enjoying building Whisker Cloud and helping build Pet Desk and helping build red story and context. So, yeah, I mean, I that's what I love to do. What I don't love to do is P&Ls and payroll and figure all that stuff out. I'm not good at it. I don't like doing it. So there's nothing wrong with, you know, saying that, but it's something that comes up a lot on this podcast. And, and, you know, like you and I were talking about before, before we hit record, you probably haven't heard every podcast episode we've ever put out here, which is, you know, sort of a small dagger in the heart, but I'll get over it. But,
0: (laughs) you know, I'm too busy working with the whisker cloud team to listen to all the podcasts Adam.
1: That's true. That's true. She does. You know, I say this to everyone and I, and just everyone out there knows I've had to start saying this you know, I say, Hey, you know, I sent you those questions. You asked me, you know, you gave me the answers. I'm going to talk about this. I want this to be free flowing. I always say, I don't want this to be a whisker cloud commercial. And I give everyone the same sentence. And I say, Hey, every episode finds its way to how toxic veterinary medicine is. If we don't do that, today's a win. And I swear 80% of them still end up there. So, you know, I want to talk to you about, I'm going to ask you some of the same questions I ask our guests. So what is your favorite part of veterinary medicine?
0: Oh my gosh. I think being able to take a step out of the clinic and look back at it, you know, the passion of the people in veterinary medicine, the amount of care, The intelligence, oh my gosh, some of the smartest people I have ever met are doctors and techs and clinics, analytical, really, really great observation skills. I mean, if you think about it, we have to work with patients that can't say anything to us and can't tell us like what's wrong or why this hurts or whatever. So just they've developed such incredible skills to go around that. High levels of empathy. I mean, I could give you answers like, "Oh man, I really love surgery," which I do. I really love surgery. If I could go back and do anything, if I could relief at a clinic, I would be like, "Just let me scrub into a couple surgeries, put in some sutures. I'll feel a lot better. I'll I'll do that. (laughs) Place a few IV catheters." But like, the reality is, (laughs) I know it's it's something I definitely miss. But the reality is that that my favorite thing has to be like the kind of people that are in the hospital day to day busting but i mean those people are really awesome
1: i agree and i've told the story so many times on this podcast but you know early on in whisker Clouds' early days out in denver you know i used to go visit customers and i would spend like four hours there and i would just be so mentally exhausted and i just think with my personality just being you know really type a really like I like to control like my time, my schedule. I like to, you know, even during the day, I can tell you, for me, there's days where I can only listen to podcasts. And if I listen to anything else, I'm thrown off. Or there's days where I can only listen to like lo-fi beats. Or there's days where I put like Marvel movies on in the background. And and on some of those days, there are days where I will try to all three and I cannot get into a groove. And I like, and and I feel messed up. So like being in the vet clinic, the noise people, the, the cats, the dogs, it was like a sensory overload for me. Like I, I, I couldn't do it every day. So I'm just so impressed with people who can do that because I really struggled with it. I learned a lot about myself in those couple of days, those first, those first couple of times I was like, I don't know if I'm really weird or if this is really hectic or both.
0: Both. Definitely. But I will say that there comes a period in your career where barking dogs, one day they blend into the background and you don't hear them. And the next day, it's all you can hear is the dog that's barking in your in your ICU or your treatment area or whatever it is. So I think it depends on the day, but for sure, it's a highly overstimulating environment at times.
1: So I asked you, and I want to tell a quick story, and this okay. is what we're trying to solve. And and this is, and I know we're not going to sell whisker cotton pet desk all day, but I want to tell a story because I, I, I just want to tell people where I come from. So I asked people like, what's wrong with veterinary medicine? And I'm, I'm going to share something that's going on with me right now. I love our vet. I, I think our vet's great. I had an amazing vet who's a Whisker Cloud customer and a Pet Test customer who I loved. Um, where we used to live, we moved it was just a little far. We had to leave him and he's amazing. So that was really tough for me. And we tested a couple vets. We found a clinic we love in Irvine. I'm their biggest fan. They ended up being acquired by VCA and they, they have so much of like them still. So we've stuck around. We're still there. And I think they're amazing. So everyone here hears me talk about my two Boston Terriers, Sophie and Baxter all the time. So Baxter's 11 red and white Boston Terrier. This guy has so many allergy problems and we've had it under control for years. (laughs) We we've had it locked in. And then in the last hundred days, I don't know what happened, but we're in, and we're currently spiraling with the, with the allergies. So his eyes were like swollen and inflamed the other day. His paws are all red. He's literally, he's snoring 24 inches from me as we speak. I'm just looking at him while I talk and, and here's the deal. I love our vets. So I went in the first time. I'm like, I've never seen his paws this red and they did a great job. They got us steroids. You know, he got some shots. We got our side of We got our, you know, more Apoquel and they're back and getting fixed. Okay. Perfect. So then maybe like three weeks later, the ice swollen. Okay. Well, he likes to walk. He likes to stick his head in plants. You know, we live in Southern California by the beach. We're on the sand. So, you know, we go in, we get drops. It was fixed. Now it's back again. So we went in a third time. They did a great job. He was fixed. And then now we found some new symptoms And this is now our fourth time. So we're going in in two days. And then we're also going to see a dermatologist. And, and for me, I'm trying to figure out, and I feel the exact same way about human medicine. Let me preface, you know, what I'm about to say with that, but it's like (laughs) four visits in. I'm, I'm at a loss. And I, and, and, and this isn't a, our vets have done a perfect job. I think what's, tough as I watch how manual this process has been and it hasn't been automated and there hasn't been like automated follow-ups and it's just been tough on them tough on us tough on Baxter and you know he's about to I mean he'll end up having five appointments for these same symptoms and I think when I take a step back I don't think whisker cloud fully solves this I don't think pet does fully solves this or vet story but I also think like this is a good example of where the technology needs to be in veterinary medicine because five appointments for this itchy dog, we got to figure something else out. So for me, when I look at like the things that are frustrating about veterinary medicine, it's this, because I know vets and I know how hard my clinic's working and I see it and I'm like, I'm so thankful for how great they've been. My guess is by the fifth appointment, now I'm lucky, I can afford five appointments. Not everyone can. So I think like that's that's where I'm going with this. It's like, I feel for both sides, the people that can't afford it And for the clinics where it's like, look, this is allergies, there's not a there's not a perfect fix. So I don't know, hearing that story, which was a very long winded story. Sorry. You know, what's your takeaway from all of that?
0: I mean, I definitely feel what you're saying, Adam, I can understand where you're coming from. I can also understand from the clinic's perspective, like trying to treat chronic allergies, like you don't want to escalate it too quickly to a dermatologist because again, you can't peer into someone's wallet. And so at our clinic, we had the rule of like, hey, we don't tell people what they should do with their pet based on our assumption of what they can afford. We say, this is what we would recommend. This is our gold standard. Like, We will refer as soon as we think it's pertinent, whatever it may be, and then let people choose. Let people decide what works for them and we'll work with them within their budget and how how much we can do and recommend that they can comfortably afford. So it's also, that's a big piece of it, right, is is not letting that preconceived notion of what someone can afford get in the way of recommending treatment. Darm issues can definitely be super prolonged. They can be hard to get rid of. They can recur very quickly. And, and so I think, you know, maybe there's an education piece here. Like maybe if the first time Baxter went in, they were able to send you home with some educational materials, maybe it, if we're going to plug our products here have an article on their website that outlined what to expect from dermatology issues and what the potential treatments would be and and how long you might have to treat this or how, how, what does it look like? How many visits might you expect from a problem like this? Being able to provide follow-up texts or whatever to check on Baxter to figure out like You know, hey, how's he doing? Do we need to get him back in sooner? Stuff like that. But there's just, you know, so many clinics struggle with doing these things that can be automated that maybe then end in a better client experience because the gap between happiness and having a poor experience is expectation, right? So like, what does the client expect? Well, we can tell them what to expect. But then we have to live up to that expectation. So you know, it's a it's setting that baseline telling the client what they can expect from whatever illness or disease or, you know, whatever's going on and giving them materials to read follow ups, things like that to really help that client experience be smooth.
1: All right, well, you just nailed that answer. And and that actually led me to like I was thinking and addict typing notes as you were saying that so there's like two things I want to do with the response you just had. So, I was I was just on a different veterinary podcast with Dr. Ivan and it was amazing and and I and I got like heated on the podcast cuz he, you know, he owns a bunch of clinics and I said, "Hey, why don't vets just sell to me?" Like, you know, and I and I felt that in my life what whether I could have afforded it or I couldn't, why don't vets just say like, "Hey, guess what? You have this dog. You're here this is not gonna be cheap. You have a dog with allergy issues. I need you to know that this is gonna be expensive. Apoquel, not free. Cytopoint, not free. Hydrolyzed soy food from Royal Canin, not cheap. This is what you signed up for when you got this dog. And this is what I'm gonna have you go do. So like after the second visit, why isn't it a natural like, yep, I'm gonna have you go see this, this dermatologist. Cause by the way, we have the dermatologist referral. We're going and it's, and it's $400 before I even show up. But guess what? This is my kid. And 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 it could have been 4 million dollars I would have figured it out. And I know not everyone can figure it out and that sounds like a very like pretentious statement for me to make, but at the end of the day, I think most people most people care about their pets enough to figure it out. And I would say too, like, you know, maybe if I went to the the derm on the second or third visit and didn't do two more visits with the other people that money could have been put toward the derm earlier. So, you know, why is it that, and you're in sales now, so why can't vets just sell hard? Because for you, I loved that you did it. I was like, we're not going to, you know, hey, we're not going to promote our products. And you so eloquently promoted our products effortlessly. <laughs> it's <was> beautiful. <laughs> I was like, damn, that's a masterclass. Like, what do we have to do to get vets feeling really comfortable about selling?
0: Well, to go back a little bit to what you said earlier Adam before I answer that question. It's easy to talk about our products because A, I've been in a clinic so I've no I know where they can help out. And B, like the majority of the people that work on our teams have some sort of connection to the industry or some sort of industry background and so they all have that same passion of like they want these products to help clinics. And so it's easy for me to confidently be like, "Hey, let's look at how we can figure out how we can fit technology and create a solution that benefits everyone because I know that they're going to end up in the hands of folks who have, again, that exact same mission. But when it comes to teaching veterinarians and veterinary teams to sell, it is a huge personality thing, right? So in veterinary medicine, so many people are told like, you're just in it for the money. You don't care about animals. You don't think about, you know, what you, it shouldn't matter what we can afford. You should save our animals life because out of the goodness of your heart. And that's tough because goodness of your heart does not pay your rent and it does not put food on your table. And as much as it would be amazing to live in a world where goodness of my heart or goodness of any veterinarian's heart does that, it's not the world we live in. So when you have that response a lot of the times. And in fact, I once had a client tell me, man, with the amount I spend here, I I could, you know, I should have my own exam room in this building. And this was towards the end of my career. So I I had a little bit of a bitter response that I would not recommend. But I I looked at the guy and I said, (laughs) the amount you've spent here in the past year isn't enough to pay for one week of inventory for this hospital. And he just kind (laughs) of stared back at me and I left the room. (laughs) but okay so these are the kinds of responses you expect from customers right so then it's hard to go in the room and be like you should buy more stuff but i think what people overlook about selling is that it's not about getting people to spend more money it's about helping people understand why you recommend what you recommend it's not about making people buy a bunch of drugs from you or buy things they don't need or do blood work that they shouldn't have it's about going into a room and saying listen your pet's seven we need to do senior blood work because in order to understand if your pet is having you know, a decline in kidney values or decline in thyroid values or a spike in thyroid values or we're seeing trending towards diabetes or whatever, in order to catch these issues so they aren't costly emergencies for you that we have to pull your pet back from sometimes even the brink of death, we need yearly blood work so we can establish baselines and understand it. So for all senior pets, we recommend this yearly blood work because in the long run, it's cheaper to catch these issues early than it is to have an emergency vet visit where you then have to do a lot of treatments and get this pet back from the edge. And then you still have to manage the disease. That conversation is very different from hey, your pet's seven, it's time for senior blood work, or put it on the estimate and have the pet parent say, like, "What? why is this on here? And then the response is, oh, well, we don't have to do it if you don't want to, because we're so afraid of that confrontation. But it's not about confrontation, it's about education. And I think we often forget on our side of the exam table, that every piece of knowledge that we have in our heads, all that medical knowledge that lives there rent-free pet parents don't have that. They've never been exposed to that. They don't know it. And that's not their fault. That's not their career path, right? But it is our job to make sure they do know. It. It's just like, you know, Adam, if I tried to run a Facebook page for my business and then I came to you and I was like, hey, how's this look? And you just looked at me and you were like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> You'd be doing me a disservice, <laughs> right? You would be like, hey, Here's what I would recommend doing. You might not be able to afford a consultant for your Facebook page. You might not be able to afford this, that, or the other, but I would recommend these things because that's how you're going to get the most out of this page for your business. It's the same thing on the veterinary side. Like we need to be making those recommendations. It's our obligation to the pet. And honestly, it's our obligation to the pet parent to tell them everything that they need to know to make the most informed possible decision, regardless of cost. Wow.
1: Love it. I'm laughing at you know that statement you made to that guy about you know wouldn't cover a week of inventory <laughs> it I, years ago, <laughs> and if and if you're listening to this, I won't say your name, but if you're listening to us, I did I did like your response to me when I when I said what I said. So I, I had a customer who was going through onboarding with our team. You know, look, Whisker Club builds these sites from scratch. Do you know how hard it is to build websites from scratch over and over and over and over? You know why you go to a restaurant and there's a menu? Makes it really easy, right? Yeah. You know, even if you don't want tomatoes on your salad, well, the salad's built. We just don't want tomatoes. We build it from scratch. These are bespoke. So... You know, I, I got on the phone with the guy and he said, and we, and honestly, look, no one on this planet is harder on whisker cloud sites than I am every day. I see all of them that, you know, get sent for approval and I send, you know, unprompted notes to our design team all the time. Like I would change this. I would do that. They're probably like, shut up. Didn't you sell this thing? <laughs> Shouldn't you be like on the beach? Get the hell out of here, man. But you know, but this guy says to me, like, I'm positive I could build a better website than this. And I don't know what it was about that day. It Really is not, yeah, it just hit me weird. And I said, I said, I'll make you a deal. You build a website, We, I will spend the money. We will go find like a focus group. We'll get 100 people who have nothing to do with veterinary medicine. They don't even have to be pet owners. We'll get 100 random people and we will ask them which site they like better, yours or ours. And I said, I'll make you a deal. If even five out of 100 choose yours, I'll give you $10,000. <laughs>
0: This is is such a you thing to do, Adam. (laughs) I know.
1: And it was like such a weird, he caught me on the weird day, but I said, I'll give you $10,000. We will send a check from whisker cloud. And he goes, I'm going to. And then two days later he called me and he goes, all right, show the staff. They're in love with the website. Let's get it going. And of course him and I had a good laugh and I was like, I don't know, man, I might need you to build a website just so I can see it. And I, and I, you know, like he and I talked and we cleared the air and it was good. I said, could you just imagine if, if I was at the vet and, and I was like, Hey, what you just did, what you went to school for, you know, what you just did, I could do that better. It would just be such a funny thing. So yeah, I I love that you said that. I, and as I tell whisker cloud employees all the time, do as I say, not as I do <laughs> like, You know, don't, don't do some of those stupid things where I've, you know, gone off the, I would say gone off, I wouldn't say gone off the rails, maybe gone off script, but yeah, I mean, it is like, I do want, I do want to be sold to in veterinary medicine. And I, and I want vets to know that that's okay. That, you know, the worst thing that can happen is someone says no. And to put this in perspective, my wife is taking both dogs, right? So Baxter's having this issue. Sophie's 13 and we got senior blood work done in February and, and I just haven't had it. So both dogs are going in. Again, you know, this will be Baxter's fourth or fifth visit. He's going in. This is uh, three weeks before the derm visit because I want to get steroids if we can't just to help him be comfortable, you know, feel better until, yeah, comfortable. And I'm like, while we're there let's get Sophie and Baxter both senior blood work. Cause we haven't done it since February. And then under Baxter's eyelid, there's like a weird papilloma thing that's causing some like eye discomfort. So I want to figure out what we need to do there. And then my thought was like, okay, we just did dentals, but, if we can do dentals again and do senior blood work, maybe we can like get ahead on next year's dentals, get the blood work and feel okay. And then while he's under for the dentals, maybe get this eye thing figured out and then get him ready to go before his derm visit. So I'm all in very expensive senior Boston terriers. But you know, I think like the big takeaway from all of this is a, I wouldn't have even needed to be sold, but you probably wouldn't have known that. Like my vets don't know that I don't walk in there. I never say like, Hey, Hey, you know, you, do you know who I am? You ever, you ever seen a really, really pretty vet website? You ever see a vet website ranked at the top of Google? Yeah. Who do you think got that there? That's not me you know, when I walk in there, I wear the same, I wear the same clothes every day. It's like Viori shorts, Viori t-shirt, <laughs> hardly, I'm hardly dressed up. So you never know.
0: Yeah. You really, you really, really don't. And just out of curiosity, Did you know the amount, because when you tell me the story of like what your Bostons need, I'm like, that sounds about right. Did you know before you got Bostons, the amount of care and intense, like veterinary help they would need, especially as they became seniors?
1: No, but I mean, I'm also, I mean, I've, you know, they're 13 and 11, so I was at a much different stage of life. I mean, this was before Whisker Cloud. This was me literally as like single bachelor in Las Vegas. Just, you know, wanting some companionship. I had a dog rescue, so I got Sophie and then, you know, ended up rescuing Baxter. And, you know, these were like my first dogs. And I I always assumed that it would be expensive. But, yeah, as they've gotten older, you know, they're, they're both on supplements. We buy special food. They have special shampoo. They're expensive, but they're also the loves of my life. Shout out to my wife who never gets mad when I say that all the time to people.
0: (laughs) Um. (laughs) I say that about my my cat a lot of the time and I don't get yelled at too much, so.
1: (laughs) So, no, I didn't, you know, no, I didn't think it'd be this much, but I also think to myself, like, they're worth every penny. And, you know, I think there's a lot of, There's just a lot of selling in the clinic that can be done. And, you know, and maybe that'll be, you know, a core thing that you and I bring to this podcast moving forward is maybe it's not always just sitting here talking about marketing and talking about SEO. And that's why I'm excited to have you here. Maybe it's just about talking about some of those soft skills and talking about some of the day to day stuff. What are some other unwritten rules or unspoken about things that plague veterinary clinics where you'll say it? And people listening are going to be like, yep, yep, that happens here.
0: Oh, man. I would say that many clinics struggle culturally. I think there's a, a big culture of promoting based on tenure rather than skill, which ends up with a lot of folks running practices that either don't know what to do or are only there because they've been at the front desk for the past 30 years and the practice owner was finally like, "Hey, let's give Barb a spin, see how she does." Or, you know, they don't receive the support they need to be successful. So they maybe they are naturally, you know, inclined to leadership and they have great ideas and they got good business acumen and that lands them the job, but then when they get in the role, they're promoted from an individual contributor into this management role and then they're like, "Now what?" And there's not a lot of support or, you know, internal growth opportunity to help them be the most successful they can be in that role. So obviously that leads to a lot of cultural issues. I think the fact that the majority of our veterinary teams, doctors included, end up severely underpaid, oftentimes not even making a living wage, and then also don't really have a ton of benefits. So even the hospitals that I worked at that had a ton of great benefits, like Sick time. When I moved over to Pet Task, I was like, "Oh my gosh, what is this? I can be sick and I don't lose my vacation days by being sick. That's crazy." So that's pretty common, right? So now you have folks who are working, you know, paycheck to paycheck quite frequently. If they're sick, their option is to take PTO or just eat the cost or go to work sick, and we're in an emotionally taxing industry that's plagued by burnout and a lot of other difficulties, compassion, fatigue, things like that. And we don't have a break. Like you eat up your PTO, even if you've got two weeks a year doing like a half day for a dentist's appointment or a doctor's appointment or something like that, or just trying to take one three day weekend here and there, those 10 days of PTO, they, they go fast. If you've got two weeks, most times you don't even have two weeks. So I think, Probably the biggest things that plague our hospitals, like if we look at take a little step back and look at it overarching, are, you know, stress and burnout and compassion fatigue that are triggered by tons of different factors, including, you know, lack of solid wages, lack of benefits, lack of psychological safety, lack of efficiency within the hospital, or having a hospital willing to invest in tools to make your day-to-day more efficient. And that's just to name a few. So I'm sure a lot of folks will be like, yeah, that sounds about right.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean I've I've heard all of that, both, you know, on this podcast and not on this podcast. So as you're doing the podcast, and, and literally the way I've seen it is, you know, Pet Test started a podcast and then, you know, everyone got busy. There's a lot of moving parts with everything we're doing at the company. So, you know, this was a chance to have all of us have this podcast, you know, it's like my favorite podcast. When I think about different sports or business or Marvel podcasts, I always like where one channel maybe has like three different shows that I can listen to and, you know, and I can kind of pick and choose. And sometimes I listen to all of them. Sometimes I don't like some of the sports channels have sports betting stuff. That was a different part of my life in Vegas. So I don't really need to (laughs) listen. We don't need to go back to that place now. Yeah. But, you know, so I think you and I are going to kind of play this by ear. We've got people on the Vetstoria team who are going to host some shows too, but I am just so excited to have your perspective from inside the hospital, because there's a lot of times where I'm on this podcast giving advice or giving thoughts. And I just assume most people are like, shut up. You never, you you were never worked in here for a <laughs> day. What could you possibly know? Which fair point. So yeah, I'm I'm so excited as you know, we have this list of people that have asked to be on the podcast. And there's even a couple people where I haven't recorded with them, because I'm like, I'm not the right person to record with them. So, you know, is, is, is you have people on and I was even thinking of like having you interview people that have already been on with me and vice versa. I'm just so excited to see how this goes and where this goes.
0: Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be great and you know, like everything that has happened since we joined companies, I think that the future only is brighter and brighter you're such a good salesperson, you know, just
1: (laughs) sprinkling it in from time to time. And yeah. And, and, you know, like, like I said to everyone, you know, Mary currently does all the trainings and sales enablement for all of our sales teams, which is a really, it's a really hard job. And to put that in perspective, you know, Mary has to become the expert in all of the brands and all of the nuance. That means knowing how appointment reminders work from top to bottom at pet Desk, knowing how SEO works and social media management works at Whisker Cloud, understanding, you know, the customizations that you can have from VetStory. story. Look how subtle I am. So subtle. But so subtle. I know. But you know what? The funny thing is, I'm actually not even trying that. But like knowing all the customizations you could have, like that's a hard job to know Oh, and these are it's not like we're all the same company we're all different pieces of one big new pie we've created it's the best pie i'll call it key lime but you know it's like we're all spokes that's in a the lot wheel. to learn exactly so maybe just take a minute just to talk about you know what was it like sort of when you know you were at pet desk the news about Vetstoria and and whisker Cloud joining broke within like 10 to 14 days of each other last January, January, 2022. What was it like at Pet Desk? And what has it been like since for you to like, just take all of this on?
0: It's been really exciting for me personally. I love learning new things. And that's something that I value in in most of the team that I have is, you know, everybody, not most, all of the team that I have is that, you know, everybody's really excited to learn new things. And that's something I think you have to be really hungry for when you're working with a set of companies that are, continuing to add to the portfolio in order to help veterinarians more and more. And so I don't want to leave contact out here. Contact is our VOIP service, our newest friend in the friend group and learning about all the different intricacies is super exciting because there are things I don't know, right? So when you work in a clinic, you, you are so focused on your job. I feel like the whole world has opened up to me. So now I can understand parts of the business that before I didn't understand at all. I thought I understood them, but I definitely didn't. And understanding how all of these things help people, how they make a difference. I mean, I think that's what makes a good sale, Adam, is is actually seeing how something is beneficial and believing in it. And I absolutely believe in all of our brands. And that's my whole goal to help the whole sales team understand is, is how does this work in a practice and how does it actually make their lives better? And I think that's, how you sell in a practice, right? How is what I'm recommending for this pet important and how is it going to make their life better? And I think that's really how I see it. Not necessarily as sales, because I don't know, maybe there's just like a, a connotation with sales, but just as like, how can I help the most people? And I do believe all four of our products are so helpful and we can offer so much from practice to practice amongst any combination of the products. That it definitely brings my day-to-day meaning and it, it, it gets me really excited to come to work every day.
1: Wow, I love it. And I would say the best thing about our company now is the number of people we have, not only who, who come from veterinary medicine, but the number of customers that work here. You know, I can think of some of the newer people on our customer success team who were Pet Desk and Whisker Cloud users at their clinic and now work here behind the scenes. Like, that's just really cool to me. I mean, you know, if if I could go have any job, I would go, you know, be like something at Marvel. It's like, oh, I was watching you for all these years. Now I'm working here. That would be really cool. What's your what would be your dream job outside of what you do now?
0: If I could like suddenly magically learn any new skill and do something completely different, I would be in like video game development and design. I love telling really great stories. And some of the most impactful stories that I've come across, I'm a, like an avid reader, love listening to audiobooks, love podcasts, love all that stuff. Some of the best stories that I've ever experienced have been through video games because of that interactive quality and that decision making you have to do. So I think that would be where I would lean.
1: I love it. Yeah, if, you know, if Marvel's listening they want me to direct the next, you know, World War Hulk movie or the next Avengers movie, just call me. I'm, you know, I feel like I'm ready to jump in. I'd need to learn some stuff, but We'll get you one of those little I'll figure hats. Figure it out. Yeah, exactly. I need I could use one of those little hats just in general. So that's really great. Perfect. Well, Hey, I'm, I'm really excited. I was going to say like to have you on board with the podcast, that sounds weird, (laughs) but you know, I mean, I think this is going to be great. And, you know, I, I I think you and I are going to offer completely different perspectives on things. And, you know, there might be episodes where it's both of us. There might be episodes where it's just you, just me, or, you know, we have other people at this organization interested. So this is our chance to talk to more people in veterinary medicine not everyone needs to be an influencer. If you're out there listening and you feel like you have a story to tell, stay tuned. We're getting ready to build out a new process where you can like nominate yourself or others to be on the podcast. So this is going to be a lot of fun. And you know, this is going to be a place for us all to come together as veterinary medicine and to learn together. And and Mary is the perfect person to be the first public person to join this podcast. I'm so excited about it. Me
0: too. Thanks, Adam. Well,
1: if you're out there listening, this is what I'm gonna ask of you before the next podcast. And I've always done a bad job at this and maybe we just pre-record it. But if you're out there, A, go check out the Whisker Cloud blog. We have a lot of smart, talented people that put out just a ridiculous amount of content. Now I'm gonna say the same thing for petdesk.com slash blog. Whisker Cloud built the new PetDesk website and our marketing team is putting together so much new content, resources, downloads, check it out you know, be sure to follow Whisker Cloud, Pet Desk, VetStoria, Contact on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. We're rolling out a lot of stuff. You're hearing this episode. This is sort of the first domino. So I'm really excited about the webinars, the CE credits, the podcasts, the 500 things we have in the works over the next year. And to keep up with it, you know, just following the brands on social media, checking out the websites, checking out the blogs, subscribing to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts and just get ready because this is, this is going to be a core function of our business. It's just educating, communicating, and, and, you know, hopefully bringing this industry together. And I'm really excited about it. Me too. Well, thanks for joining Mary and everyone. We'll see you next week. Have a great day.